I believe today that God is going to give some of you your joy back. I believe he's going to give you your strength back. I believe he's going to give you your peace back. Because today, I'm believing that, that this moment, as we go through the word of God, literally, he is going to begin to restore you to a walk of victory today. Some years ago, when I was living in New York City and taking the F train from Queens to Brooklyn, um, something would happen every morning. It was, it was almost first it became difficult, and then it became to me something I'm going, God, maybe this is a ministry moment with people. But every time I would get off the train and walk upstairs, it would be a, an outdoor coffee stand that I would go to, and, and I would wait in line. But whenever it was cold, the, the people that would literally begin to extend my weight in the cold weather were those that would be pausing to give their lottery numbers at this window as we're all waiting outside to get a cup of coffee, except for those few people who would put out, pull out a piece of paper and then start to read their numbers, and someone was typing them in to a cash register and waiting to print out their lottery number. I would be freezing, waiting, and after a while, I would become impatient, but then I thought, well, maybe this is a ministry moment. So I would tell them, why would you waste your hard-earned money on lottery? And then all of a sudden, I would begin to look at them and just say, you work too hard to do this. Don't do it anymore. And they would say, I know, I know. And then finally, I would just tell them this. I'd say, why then take a chance on something when you can have a rock-solid promise? And sometimes people would bite, and then I would have an opportunity just to minister to them. Some didn't, but some would bite. Because here's what I've realized in life. Listen to me close. Christianity takes the lottery out of life. It's so important to understand that. Christianity takes the chance out of life. Or let me say it like this. This is really important. If chance exists, then God doesn't. Think about that. Because then that would mean that there is something more powerful than God. You take the opposite of that. If, if God exists then chance can't exist. It's impossible. Those two things can't coexist, which means to play lottery numbers, to take a chance on gambling, then, then what you're saying is that there is something, there is a force higher than God that he cannot control. And I'm here to tell you is that when you believe in God and walk with God, he takes the lottery and the chance out of life and you realize God is in control of everything. You know what's interesting to me? Have you ever realized how detailed God was to give Noah the instructions in building the ark? Think of how detailed. We're, we, we get so fixated on the numbers of the animals and that, that are being brought into the ark, but he, talk, he told Noah, this is how wide I want it. This is how tall I want it. Um, he talked about a certain number of animals that would be clean to bring an extra because of sacrifice. Details everywhere all the details God gave to him, but something's interesting. There are two things absent in the, in, in the ark instruction manual. Ready for this? There was no rudder and there was no sail that we see in the instructions of the Bible. Think of that. You're building a boat and there's no rudder and there's no sail that was put in the instruction manual. Everything to get in, listen to me, but nothing to control it. Someone else would control it. Somebody else would control it. Not chance, but God would begin to control it. I don't want my hand on the rudder in life. I don't want, my, I don't want to try to sail my life by myself. But today, 
during all this uncertainty of the times that we're in, I want to give you a sail and rudder verse to keep reminded. I want to give you the verse that takes the chance and the lottery out of life. And I'm going to show you who's got you in the days to come. Because there's a verse that I want you to keep on this journey as we're going through really uncertain waters. And when we get on the other side, many of us don't know what's going to happen. Many of us don't know maybe where we're going to work at or where we're going to live. Some of us are in that kind of situation, but we don't leave it to chance because our hand is not on the rudder and our hand is not at the sail and neither is anything else. Let me just say this to you today. You are not at the mercy of a pandemic. You're not at the mercy of a virus. You are in the hands of God today. You are in God's hands. And I want to not only take the chance and the lottery out of it, but I want to put a promise today into you. Face it, folks, bad things happen to all of us um, with unpredictable frequency. Um, they'll come at varying intensity. Some come as inconveniences, and literally, some will come as life-altering. And the thing that I, I want us to understand, literally, is bad stuff, difficult things, happens to us all, every one of us. No one is excluded from this. But let's, let's not be phonies in this. We're all face difficult times. I, 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 I believe God wants us to be honest people and not to be, okay, stay with me. I, I, don't, I think God wants to remove the praise God people. What, what do you mean by that, Pastor Tim? How are you doing? Praise God. Everything's fine. Praise God. Praise God. It, it's, it's, this, it's a religious talk that removes honesty from, from our hearts, when, when we start to realize, man, we're all faced with stuff. We're, we, that especially when we're with each other, we don't need praise God people. We need honest people to go, this is what I'm faced with. This is what I'm going through. The best thing you can do for me right now is to begin to pray for me. Sometimes we just, we, 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 we put on um, something in air when we get around even believers. And even worse, when we get around pastors. I was reading the story of a pastor visiting the home of one of the church members and right in the middle of talking to the, to the husband and wife, their son bursts in the door holding on to a tail of a dead squirrel. And without seeing the pastor all over, over in the corner, he just goes, mom and dad, got him. Finally kill the thing. He said, I caught him and then all of a sudden I bashed his brains in kicked it and stepped on it. And then all of a sudden he looks over and he sees the pastor sitting in the corner and hits the brake and says, and then the Lord called his servant home. Okay. That's phony. Can I, can I just tell you something? Because some of us here have bashed in, kicked around, stepped on days, and we just got to be honest. And can I give you a reminder? God can get you through those days. God can get you through those days. We don't have to be phonies around pastors, around each other. We're all going to have on stepped on, kicked in, and bashed in days, but God can take us through all of those. And there is a single passage that I want to give you today in the Bible that can meet every bashed in, kicked around, and stepped on moment of your life. And not only meet it, but I'm telling you, given enough time, it can resolve every problem in our life. Some of you are going like, Pastor Tim, give me that verse. Every detail of life, every tragedy, every trial, every tear, every burden, however, how deep or who caused it, every problem, however complex, every day, however cloudy, can come under the covering of this verse. It is arguably, I think, 
the most powerful verse in the Bible. And this, this verse really is the sail and the rudder, not only through a pandemic, not only through a quarantine, but it is the sail and rudder through every day of life. Let me give it to you. It's Romans 8.28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and who are called according to his purposes. That, that to me is sail and rudder, folks. God, God's, God gives us a sail and rudder verse when he says, and we know that all things work together. Can, can I sum up that verse? And before I break it down, let me sum it up. What God was saying was this, God's plan for you and for me is bigger than our, than our problems or your problems. God's plan is bigger than our problems. That's, this is the sail and rudder verse. This is what takes the lottery out of life. This is what gets us through quarantine. It gets us through a virus. It gets us through every day. Because folks, on the other side of a virus, there's going to be another thing we're going to face. And another thing. And so I, we, we don't have virus verses. We have everyday verses that we can hold on to. That are the sail and the rudder of our lives. Any way, to, the, any way we look at it, we need a sail and a rudder. There are certain verses that, are, that I think are tough to preach because they speak for themselves. And really, this is one of those. And I'm going to do my best to kind of break it down because of the power and the extensive reach of this verse. That's why I love what the, the 19th century Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon said. He said it like this. Could you ask for a better promise? It is better than all, that all things should work for my good than all things should be as I wish they would be or what I would call them to be good. He said, all things might work for my pleasure, yet might work for my room. But all things do not always please me, but they will always benefit me. This is the best promise that any man could ever have in life. Think about this for a moment, folks. There is not a better promise in the Bible that can meet every situation of life. There's not a better promise in the Bible that can face job loss, a doctor's report, sickness, financial ruin, death of a child, a divorce, Loneliness and singleness, COVID-19, a quarantine, put anything up against it. Let me, let me say this to you. Listen to me close. Name any situation and now match this verse to it. You can name any situation. It removes chance and lottery and says, God, you're my sail and rudder. And we know that God works all things together for good. You can't have anything but the good life. If you're a Christian, that, that just literally blows my mind because this is this one verse, God speaking this verse to us is amazing. Some of you that are watching today probably know the name Fanny Crosby. Her songs, mostly we probably know her songs more than even her name. Songs like By and By, Christ the Lord is risen today, draw me nearer. Um, all to Christ I owe, blessed assurance, Jesus is tenderly calling he hideth my soul. Oh, sing of my Redeemer. Pass me not, O oh gentle Savior. Redeemed, all written by Fanny Crosby. Songs that we have sung, but sometimes forget her story. But many don't know that Fanny Crosby was blind. In fact, the tragedy says that when she was six weeks old, listen to this, through the malpractice of a doctor, it literally stole her sight at six weeks old. This hymn writer so Fanny developed, because of blindness, a phenomenal memory, learning much of the Bible by heart. And out of this treasury came this, this 
torrent of hymns and gospel songs unequaled in all of Christian history. No, no one has written like and with the impact of blind Fanny Crosby from malpractice. What's amazing to me is this. She wrote about this in her biography that in 1903, Fanny said this, the poor doctor who had spoiled my eyes soon disappeared from our neighborhood and we never heard about him again. And she said this, I heard that the physician never, never ceased expressing the regret of what he did to me and that it was one of the greatest sorrows of his life. And she said, but if I could meet him now, I would say thank you, thank you over and over again. Because of blindness, it was through your agency that all this music came about. And Fanny knows that all things work together for good. While some people are trying to get a lawyer and sue a physician, Fanny goes, you bring the good out of this. And literally, millions of people have been blessed because Fanny was blind, committed the scripture to heart, and now songs are written that have affected generation after generation. God makes all things work together for good. I, I want to just take a few moments and, and talk about this incredible passage that, that disintegrates chance and puts God as the sail and the rudder of every one of our lives. And we need a sail and rudder now more than ever before. I, I, I want to I just take three phrases. I'm going to use the verse to literally guide us as we go through this. I want you to get something to write with. I want you to jot some things down, even on the margin of your Bible or, or on your phone. I want you to jot these down because I want to just take those phrases and we know all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Literally, I want to just take them in chunks and let the scripture simply speak for itself. So let me go through this because I feel like if we can let this speak to us, then we're not standing in line to get lottery numbers. And I, I believe if we can sing this, we realize if we can get this, we're not at the mercy of, of a virus. If we can get this, we're not at the mercy of even other people's mistakes and what other people have done, like Fanny Crosby wasn't at the mercy of the malpractice of a doctor. That God took that and literally brought all things good. So let's go through this. First, let me just say this. The first part and we know, I think that's our confidence. Write down these words. My confidence is this, we know. My confidence is we know. The old Baptist preacher Vance Havner said it like this, I'd rather know a few things for certain than be sure of a lot of things that just ain't so. And let me just tell you this, Paul said, we know. There was no, there, there was nothing that was muddy or hazy or cloudy about this. This is certainty. This is confidence. The Holy Spirit, think about this for a moment. The Holy Spirit could have jumped right to these words. God works all things together for good. He could have jumped right to those, but chooses instead to say, we know. I think that's huge. I think that's so important in this passage. We means Paul included. Paul wanted to be part of the we. He said, I'm going to include all of you and myself. He, he wants this to be a priority. He wants you and I to have an assurance and a confidence that when stuff is out of control, that God and his plan is not upset at once. What does it mean? 
it's like the old adage that says, that says this, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. See, the Christian has a bright side to everything. L listen to this, because every Christian story literally ends with happily ever after. Every Christian, you can't deny that. Or as, as C.S. Lewis said, he said it like this, Christian is true fairy tale, that the happily ever after is real, it's true. We end up in the presence of God. We end up in a place where there is no tears. We end up in a place where there is no chemo and there is no machines hooked up to us. We, we end up at the last chapter in the presence of God and it is a chapter that goes on forever as we are in his presence. But the key here that Paul said is we know, we know this. This is our certainty that we can, you can say that over and over again. We know, we know, we know. Not, I don't know how it's gonna work out. Not, I don't know what's gonna happen. Not, I'm not sure about tomorrow. Can I just give you some help with this? Stop saying that. Stop speaking with uncertainty when Romans 8.28 gives us certainty. We know, including Paul and, and myself, we know, we know is what he says. You know, we mention to you very often, and you've seen it on the announcements, that we even talk about our Bible school summit and, and think, some of you think, I don't know how I can do it. I don't even know how I can make it happen. How can I take some time off to even go there or think about how can I take care of dealing with even the expenses of, of going off to that? I feel like I have a call. I have too many hurdles. Listen to what God is speaking to you. And maybe let God change your I'm not sure to I know what God is able to do. I know he can work all things together for good. Maybe it's a simple step that, you know, we encourage you all the time. It's just a simple step to go, let me just text the word summit to 484848. Maybe it's that simple just to say, that's the first hurdle I got to get over. Why don't you just do that right now? And just maybe this is what God wants you to do even in the fall semester. I want you to think about that. Because some of you have just constantly vocalized, I'm not sure, I don't know how. And maybe it's, it's going to come down to this today. Maybe it's a new confidence. It just simply says, I know. Because of Romans 8.28. That's what we should say. We know all things work together for good. Here, he, how do you know? He, he, he's God. He knows what he's doing. Or let me say it like this. He's so much smarter than us. He knows how to work these things out. Why, why do we know that? You know, I was reminded that I remember for my oldest son and even for some of my other kids, I had the privilege of coaching some of their teams. And I remember one of the first teams of my son that I coached, his baseball team. And as I was coaching his team, um, I, was, I, I chose to become the, the head coach and walk them through everything. I, I, was a, I was a good high school player. I heard it hit a certain average, and so, you know, I thought that qualified me to do this. And so with my 400 or 450 average in, in high school, I thought, I, I can do this. I'll, I'll lead the team. I'll, I'll take care of this. I'll never forget one of the practices. I've done. And these are just little kids, folks. This isn't even high school. It's not even junior high. These are little kids. And I remember one of the practices that um, a father came up to me and said, hey, can I help you? Can I, do you need any help with this? And I'm, I looked at him and kind of eyed him over and go, no, 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 I got this. I, I played high school ball. I was a good player in high school. Just, and then finally, he seemed to be 
you know, just eager just even help. So I just said, why don't you go stand against the fence and then if I need you, I'll send a kid over there. Just kind of throw him a bone just to kind of, he can help a little bit. So I did that, but I, I used my high school expertise to teach these nine and 10 year old kids. And then um, I'll never forget when we were walking off the field, his son and my son became friends. And so I, I, I was walking with the father and I remember hearing the son say to my, my son and even turned back and said it to me, he goes, um, my dad used to play for the um, San Francisco Giants and the Cincinnati Reds that, that all of a sudden I started to realize that the man I sent against the fence was a two-sport All-American from Stanford University, drafted by the New York Yankees, hit one of the, some of the most significant home runs for the San Francisco Giants, and I was going, I batted 450 in high school, go stand against the fence. Are you kidding me? That's what I told him. And, and can I tell you, sometimes, every time we're standing in line at lottery, to think like I gotta get money, I've gotta, I've gotta do this. We're saying, God, stand against the fence, I've got this. I got my high school average to get me through. And here's, here's our God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, and we think we got it. If I was smart, I would have figured out, let the All-American, let the All-American, two-sport All-American do this. But we sometimes, in our limited imagination, in our high school thinking, forget how great God is. You want to have confidence? You go against the fence and let God do what he does best. And that's working everything together for good to them that love God. He's the pro. We're the high schooler. Get out of the way and let God do what he can do. Hallelujah. That's the confidence. We know. Let's, let's take the second part for a second. Here's the mystery. All things work together for good. Wow, that's a mystery. You know, I was reading a book by Robert Morgan that mentions this verse in his book called The Promise. And he says, he said, and he says this, he says, think about this. What if you could use Romans 8.28 only one time in your entire life? Just one time. What, what if it was like a, a voucher issued from God from heaven that says, I'll take any situation that if you cash this in, I'll turn that situation for good. Think about that. It was like God gave every one of us. The day we get born again, we get a coupon. You can cash this in when something goes bad, whether it's an untimely death or if someone um, gets test positive for COVID-19. You can go in your safe deposit box, pull out your, pull out your voucher and go, you promised all things work together for good, and then you can turn it in. That you have one admittance, one admittance. You put it in a lockbox. You put it, you put it, and have it in waiting for the greatest tragedy, tragedy in life, folks. Think, think of this for just a moment. Romans eight twenty eight isn't limited to one application for one situation in life. Hallelujah. It's not limited to one time that you got to go in and say, okay, God, you got to work this out. Here's the good news today. Romans 8, 28 covers every situation, every day, as long as we live. Man, that's a good time in your home to put your hands together and clap and say, Romans 8, 28 is not for one situation. It's for every situation. Hallelujah. This is what God does. Every detail of our life, every tragedy, Every trial, every teardrop, everything that we go through comes 
under the auspices of this verse. All things work together for good. Listen to me, folks. No exceptions. That little word, those three little letters, A-L-L, all draws a circle that encloses everything and says no exceptions to this. No exceptions. It's not, you're not accepted. Um, there is no exceptions during a quarantine or a pandemic. It works except if there's a virus. Everything is included in this. All things work together for good. That's all that means. There are no exceptions. Listen to this. All means all. All means all to God. Nothing in your life can be outside of, of that verse. It was as the great, the great early church father, Augustine, said. He said this. He said, God would never permit evil if he could not bring good out of evil. Which tells me this. All excludes nothing. All excludes nothing. Let me say something that is crazy. And for some, it could even sound even controversial. This word, all, tell me what's accepted from it. There's nothing. It's all. Which means, think about this. Here it is. Your greatest sin, God says, I can turn that for good. Your greatest failure, untimely death. God says, I can turn it for What is it? Can God take our failure in sin and bring good out of it? According to that, it can. According to that verse, that's what can happen. Thomas Watson, the great Puritan, said this. He said, God used the prodigal's sin to teach him about the goodness of the father. That God took the prodigal sin to teach him about the goodness of the father. Good is an amazing thing. All things work together for good. Man, this is such a mystery. How does, how does God do good in this? That's the mystery of it. How does, how does God do good in tragedy? How does God do good in virus? How does God do good in job loss, unemployment? How does God do good? This, this is the part that becomes difficult. But I want you to keep this in mind about this mystery because this is what's important. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out good. Uh, best way I can explain it is this. During our quarantine, and boy, God help us because um, it just seems like all of us are cooking more and, and doing all this stuff, and so we're eating a lot more. And I remember my wife a few weeks ago making some brownies. Oh, my goodness, they were so good. I watched her make those so good that I not only ate them um, after dinner, but I ate them for breakfast. I said, who needs cereal? Who needs kashi um, when we have brownies? And I remember eating them. And, but, but then I remembered um, what went into those brownies. Think about this. Think, think of the individual items that went into those. Um, there's eggs. There's vegetable oil. There's all, and, and I'm looking at this thinking to myself, individually, who would eat that? Who would eat a raw egg? Unless you're a boxer named Rocky. But who would eat a raw egg? Who would, who would just take vegetable oil and start downing it? Who would even take a, a hunk of sugar, just sugar, and just start eating it? Um, it doesn't even seem good because, I mean, that, I mean, then there's good moments, the chocolate chips and maybe some syrup or whatever. But most of those ingredients are disgusting. Listen to me. My, listen to me. Most of those ingredients are disgusting by themselves. They are not good. 
But when you mix them together, add some heat, what does not make sense is what is individually there. But put those things together, put a chef in the mix that has a recipe of what they're foreseeing this thing is supposed to become. Listen to me, folks. Then something fantastic comes out of it. If your life is defined by the eggs or by that vegetable oil, you're going to have a real, real sorrowful life. But when your life has a chef, a recipe, and an outcome, when you have a chef that says the outcome is Romans 8.28, it doesn't matter what the oven is heated up to, like with three Hebrew children or a furnace. It doesn't matter if there are just, if there's those, those bad days, if it's just a bad day that I'm going through, then it's just an egg in my brownie. It's just vegetable oil in my day because I've got a chef that takes every ingredient that doesn't stand alone. As a believer, I don't have anything that can go rogue because chance doesn't exist because God exists. And because I have Romans 8.28 that meets every single situation working all things together for good in the midst of the certainty of we know there is the mystery of how he does it. We, let me say that again. This verse puts certainty we know, but it also puts, it also puts mystery on how do you do it? How do you take those ugly days and bring good about it, God? We know he works it all out, but really we don't know how sometimes. Really, that is true. This is the verse. This is the mystery. We don't know how, but we do. Here's the thing. We don't know how, but we do know why. How is the mystery? I want to give you the why because it really is pretty certain. Let me, let me give it to you. You ready? Here's the why that God does it. It's Psalms 119, verse 68. Listen to these words. David says, you are good and you do good. That's why he does it. I don't know how, but this is what I do know. Why do all things work together for good? Because God is good and he is consistent with his character. So he does, listen to me, he does what he is. You are good and you do good. I don't know really how this all works out, but I do know why. If you're a good God, you can only do what's good. He can't do anything less. Someone said it like this. Only God can turn a, a mess into a message, a test into a testimony, a trial into a triumph, and a, a victim into a victory. The reason why it's a mystery is that it, doesn't, is that it doesn't mean it's hard to understand, but it just hasn't been revealed even just yet. Let God work it out. All means all. He can take those those egg days, those vegetable oil days, and said, I can take those things and find good in it. But it, it, it takes the lottery out. It's saying, God, you're in charge now. You're the sail and the rudder. Can God use fleas? Fleas. Listen to this. It was the great survivor of the Holocaust who has had a great impact on my life, Corey Temboon, when she was in one of the worst concentration camps during Nazi Germany. Corey Temboon writes about this in The Hiding Place, that she and her sister Betsy had just been transferred to what she says is the worst, in her, where they were staying at, the worst German concentration camp, Ravensbrück. She says, upon entering the barracks, they found it extremely overcrowded, but the worst of it was it was flea-infested to, to, to be transferred with the, with the days and the, and the abuse. 
but a flea-infested barracks. And every morning, the ladies would wake up, and Corey and Betsy would begin to lead them in a Bible study. She said the scripture the first morning there was 1 Thessalonians that reminded them to rejoice always, pray consistently and constantly, but to give thanks in all things. And Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters at Ravensbrook. And Corey flatly refused to give thanks for fleas, but Betsy persisted. She finally succumbed. Thank you, Lord, for the fleas. And during the months at that camp, they were so surprised how they've been openly able to have Bible studies, extended Bible studies, and never bothered by the Nazi guards. And here's what's crazy. It was several months later that they learned that the guards would not enter in because of the fleas. You can have Bible study because of the fleas, and they couldn't stop it. God works all things together for good. We have a certainty. We have a mystery. But let me close with this. This verse has fine print to it. There's a limitation. Where there's certainty and mystery, there's also limitation. This is what it says. To them that love God. Now this is really important to where we're going with this. This is the fine print on the passage. This is not, and I want to say this to everyone listening today, it's not a universal verse. Not everyone is allowed to say Romans 8.28 and use it when they want to. I wish I can hand out cards on the street. I wish I can hand it all over New York City and say, here's a Romans 8.28 card, here's a Romans 8.28 card, but I can't do that because of the limitations on this. Listen to me close. All things, all things do not work together for good for everyone. It just doesn't. But for those, the Bible says, that love God and are called according to his purpose. Those that say, listen to me close, it's to those that say, you are my Lord, you are my master, you're in charge of my life. That's the fine print. Let, let me tell you a master musician story. I was reading in a magazine about one of the greatest violinists of our time, Paganini. And while he was playing on his Stradivarius, and I, and I believe that the story said it was even down the street here at Carnegie Hall, on one of the many concerts that he had down there, as he was playing night after night and playing with such passion and playing with such rigor, it says that one of those nights, as he was playing this concerto, a string broke. And, but it didn't stop the master. He just kept playing. And they said as the, the orchestra the, 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 was, was playing, the symphony was playing, he kept playing with a rigor and another string broke. That every string on that violin broke except one, and he never stopped once. And they said when he finished playing this concerto, on one string, the place arose and gave him a standing ovation. One string, and he played it. And here's what's amazing. The master made one string on an instrument sound amazing. The master did that. The master did that. L listen to me right now. Because some of you are in a one string season. Some of you are in a one string, feel like I got one string left on me. When you are in the hands of a master, he can make it sound like a masterpiece. That doesn't affect him at all. He is able to take the instruments of our lives and turn it around. That verse says, if you have one string left, it's still enough for the masterpiece to be played. The violin can only sound that way if it's in the master's hands. 
See, everyone doesn't have the same master. If yours is Jesus, then Romans 8, 28 works. Then the master plays it. See, here's what's important. God's plan of getting us to the right place has two purposes. Our good, but his glory. His glory. Good doesn't mean, okay, and here's the part I want to get. Good doesn't mean problem-free. Everything's done. Listen to me close, because this is really important. Good means I start looking more like Jesus. That's what the good ends up being. It's not things stop being, uh, there's no more problems anymore. No, 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 no. It's I start to look more like the master, the master that played that violin. All that God is doing is conforming me, because this is important, because it's going to add it right to the next verse. All that God is doing, bringing the good out, is not removing problems, but conforming me, matching me to his image. Listen to Romans 8, 29. For whom God did foreknew, he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is what God's intention is. That whatever we're going through, the good on the other side of this is that you and I get to look a little bit more like Jesus. Do you know in the Gospels, the disciples got two storms. Two storms. In a boat, storms twice that I read in the Gospels. Matthew 8, 24 through 25 and Matthew 14, 24 through 29 are Matthew's two storms. The other Gospels begin to recount these two storms also. But what was interesting to me is it was the first storm that they were, Jesus was sleeping and they're, he's in the bowels of the boat and they're on top going, Lord, we're perishing. Don't you care? Screaming like little girls on, on the top of the boat because they, they thought God didn't love them and just wasn't interested in saving their lives. But the second storm is what interests me, the one in Matthew 14. Jesus is not in the boat with them this time, but Jesus is walking on the water. And then those that know the story of Matthew 14, it's the Apostle Peter. All of a sudden has his, get this now, he has his Romans 829 moment. And he just says, Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And instead of screaming, Peter starts walking on water. It was, it was, listen, who else was walking on water? Jesus was. So Peter goes, do I act Matthew 8 on this? Or is this a new season? Is this the conforming? Is this, is this what, what the good is? Is that God is bringing me to a new place and doing something even deeper inside of me? It's in the second storm that Peter doesn't join the screaming, but Peter joins the walking, the walking on the water. Instead of screaming, we are perishing he is walking towards Jesus. See, the goal of Jesus is to get you and me to stop screaming, we are perishing, and to get us walking on those water situations. That's the goal. That's the conforming. That's the Romans 8.29. I think that's part of the good. That's the part of the good that comes out. That, that Romans 8.28 says you don't have to be screamers. You could be water walkers. You don't have to be screamers on this. Not screaming because of the waves, but asking Jesus to help you walk in them. Why? Because we have a promise. See, every trial, listen to me close. Every trial should be moving us further away from screaming and closer to walking, looking more like Jesus. I scream a lot. Man, 
I find myself sometimes getting stuck in Matthew 8 and forgetting that I have a promise, forgetting that I have a, I have a voucher for every sin. All includes all. I have that. That's what God's given to us. And to know that God works all things together for good. It, so let me just tell you what this means to me. First, it says, as a child of God, I get to say, we know, not we hope. That, that's, that's the certainty. Also, when stuff gets bad, it's just the eggs and the brownie. How it works for good, not my concern. Why it works for good, because God is good. That's the, that's the, there's mystery to that. I don't know how, but I do know why. If God is good, then he can only do good. And finally, I read the, the fine print to those that love God, sign me up. I want a life like that. Get the lottery out, get the chance out, and get God into my life. See, the fine print speaks to those, listen to me close, that have a relationship with Jesus. That say, you're the master musician. Even take my one string life and do what you can. And God can do wonders with anyone's life. He can take that and bring out a masterpiece. See, if you're here, if you're listening today and not a Christian, this is what's scary. This verse is not for you. But it can be today. Immediately. Right now. It can be for you today. But God is asking for a relationship. He wants that relationship. The fine print is to those that love God. How do I do that, Pastor Tim? How do I, how do I have that relationship with, with, with Jesus that you're talking about? I, I've been trying to go to church or I'm religious. My mom uh, was religious. I've gone to a temple. I've gone to a mosque. I've, and all those things listen, are good in themselves. Some people even said, I've tried communion and I've tried uh, water baptism. I've, I was dedicated. I was, uh, as a baby, I was christened. All those things are good, but that's not what gets you to have. That's not what gives you a relationship with God. Even sitting in these seats. This is what's amazing. God takes away from you sitting in these seats and he's still here to tell you that you can still, there's a way to go to heaven. You don't have to be in a building. It's a relationship with Jesus. Well, Pastor Tim, what's that relationship? Jesus calls it being born again. That's the relationship. If you're looking for the word, it's not a Times Square church word. It's a Jesus word. He says it in John 3, John 3, 3. He says, nobody can enter the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. That's Jesus. That's what Jesus says. And, and that's what gets you in the fine print. Do you want to say, I know God works all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes. That's where born again comes in. That's the relationship. That's what he's asking you to do today. This is the relationship that can absolutely change your life. Well, Pastor Tim, how, how, how does this happen? I'm, I'm watching this today. I'm sitting in, in my car. I'm watching on a phone. Can that actually happen to me? Can there actually be a transaction where God begins to touch me in my house and not even in a church? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think it's any accident that you're watching today. I don't think it's any accident that on this date that you are watching Times Square Church right from Manhattan and somebody's telling you today, your whole life can change. Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago, die on the cross, resurrect to get you to come to church on a Sunday. Jesus died on the cross to get you to heaven. Jesus died to forgive you of your sins 
and to bring you to heaven. How does that happen, Pastor Jim? How can I be born again? Because really, born again is this. Just as you had a first birth in a hospital, you need a second birth. That's only what God can do. I can't give it to you. Times Square Church can't give it to you. But the Holy Spirit can do it right now, wherever you're at. No limitations with him. How does that happen? It's as simple as ABC. Pastor Tim, can you explain that? Just as we tell our kids the simplicity of the ABCs, it seems so elementary, but it really is this simple. It's A, admitting I'm a sinner. That there is a part, there's in every one of us, an internal diagnosis that's just called sin that we can't fix with a promise or a program, a pastor or a priest, only God can fix it. That when we were born, none of us were born as floor models. Listen to me, assembly required on all. The day I was born, a lot of work had to take place. But the only person that can fix me and you from the inside out is Jesus himself. It's admitting that I can't fix myself. I need God to fix it. I need God to fix me. I am broken. And the diagnosis is sin. What else, Pastor Tim? That's the B word. Believe. B, believe that God sent his son to come in my place, to die on the cross for me, to fix the condition called sin by dying on the cross. If we could fix ourselves, then Jesus would never have had to come. If, if I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to die on the cross. See, Jesus' death for me was Jesus staying in my place, standing in my place of literally dying the death that I should have died because I couldn't live the life that he lived and giving me a reward I don't even deserve. And finally, confessing him. That's the C part. Confessing him as Lord. That's a big word. It's not just saying, Jesus, you're Lord. That's saying you're in charge. That's how big that word is. That word is so big, it was literally what they called Caesar at that time. Kurios, Lord. Th nothing was higher than that. You're, when you say you are Lord, you're saying you're in charge now. Because Jesus didn't come to get you to sit you in, the, in a seat. You actually think he went through all of that suffering to go, now they're sitting in seats on Sunday. That's what my plan was. Mm -mm. He died, rose again, so you could be forgiven of your sins. So you can not only have Romans 8, 28, no matter what I go through now, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, but forever. This is a decision for eternity today. God's goal was not to get you to be religious or to get you in a church. God's goal was to get you to heaven. And that could happen today, my friend. If you're watching this and you're feeling something, you're going like, I'm not in that fine print. Man, but I want to be. Today is your day. Today is your day. Wherever you're at, I want to ask you to do something with me. I want to pray a prayer with you. If you're here today, if you're listening today and we just simply say, Pastor Tim, I... I want to start a journey with God, I'm, I, but I'm not perfect. Exactly. None of us are. Listen to me close. Perfect people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And he wants to forgive you today. Pastor Tim, then what's next? This can happen immediately. It's not a, it's, it's an immediate relationship that takes place work that takes place in our heart, but it's God first changing us from the inside out. We think we've got to fix all the outside and then it changes. God wants your heart and then you watch what begins to take place. 
Here's what I want you to do, wherever you're at. I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want to pray a born-again prayer with you. Nothing magic in these words, nothing special about this prayer. It's just going to literally bring together the ABCs. But if you're here and say, I said, Tim, I want to start that journey today. You could start it right in your living room, right in your home, right in your car. If you're in the bedroom, the den, wherever you're at, the kitchen. I want you to start that journey today. I want you to pray a prayer with me today. Wherever you're at, if, if you're able to, I want you to say the words out loud with me. I'm going to say them slow and pause because I want you to pray this today because I want you to know that I can walk through life with a certainty that I know that God works all things together for good. It's a miracle you're watching today and it's going to be a miracle that you are going to make the greatest decision of your life. This is the greatest decision of your life. And today this could happen. Would you just close your eyes if you can? Would you just say these words with me today? If you're going, I want to start this journey. I want to be born again. Come on, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say this with me now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 